Welcome to Weekly Homilies. Each week we present a homily by Father Mark Suslanko, pastor of the community of St. Isidore and Maria in beautiful Glastonbury, Connecticut. These are introduced by myself, Jonathan Sozek, director of our community's Faith Formation Office. For more about Father Mark and the life of our community, please head over to isadoreandmaria.org. Today, we present Season 1, Episode 28 of this podcast. We'll hear Father Mark's homily from September 30th, 2018, the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year B. The Gospel for this week is Mark, Chapter 9, verses 38 to 43, 45, and 47 to 48. Let's listen now to that reading, then hear Father Mark's response. A reading from the Gospel of Mark. At that time, John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he does not follow us. Jesus replied, Do not prevent him. There is no one who performs a mighty deed in my name who can at the same time speak ill of me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Anyone who gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, amen, I say to you, will surely not lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands to go into Gehenna, into the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life crippled than with two feet to be thrown into Gehenna. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into Gehenna where their worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. The Gospel of the Lord. Nice to see so many of our young families here today as we give a little recognition to our first graders who are beginning their faith formation experience. How many of you guys are in first grade? How many of you got to, we got a few of you here, huh? Big year ahead, big year. That's great. That's great. We live in a world that can often be described as bordering on insanity. It doesn't take much to validate that claim and realize there is a great measure of truth in it. We are immersed in this very chaotic world that is ever-changing and ever-demanding. Financial systems tell us that in order to be productive and to make our way through our culture, we have to achieve success. That the more money we earn, the greater our security. And so we find ourselves putting values aside changing the course of our lives and pursuing those secular gains. We live in a world 
that is run amok at times with our advertising industry that unceasingly wants to convince us that we need either this or that or aren't measuring up and need to keep up with the latest thing that is coming on the market. We live in a world where often we see unleashed emotion running amok, whether through social media or directly experienced. We live in a world whose values are often in direct opposition with the gospel we place our faith and trust in. Technology tends to absorb us, command us, and even control us. Whether older or younger, we find ourselves spending more and more time plugged in on our phone, on our computer, or on one of our tablets or gadgets. Our children are constantly plugged in. In social settings, we see folks where they used to dialogue and have conversations now focused on their device. We can easily become addicted to our technological world. And I am no exception myself. I amazed myself a couple of months ago, I forgot my phone. And I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden it dawned on me, I forgot my phone. Panic ensued. And I really had this anxiety attack because I left this thing that is now all important on the counter in the kitchen. I wasn't happy with the way I felt. And it made me do some very deep thinking about the relationship I have with that device. Our children are immersed in this technological world. We would be amazed to realize and contemplate just how much the internet world knows about us. If you spent any time on a computer or any time connected to the internet world, you realize that advertisements come by all the time. Did you ever stop and realize how connected they are to sites that you may have been searching, things you may have purchased, and other things that you may have found relevant? We find ourselves exploring things we never even thought we could or would explore or even should explore. There is so much coming into the space of our lives. Our gaming habits are monitored. Our children, as they connect and interact, are victims of this persuasive technology that seeks to lure them. You know, I was reading an article or two the other 
the other week about households who are truly having a problem with technological addiction. Children who simply cannot detach from their phones. So much so that in two of the cases, authorities needed to be called to settle disputes that had erupted in homes. Parents, as I dialogue with them, find themselves very anxious and concerned about how to relate to this technological world. When is too much too soon, and when is the right time to expose our children to what is before them? And it becomes almost an issue of competition, of trying to compete with where the rest of society seems to be going. After all, how do you tell your child that it's not time for them to have a phone when all of their other friends are being exposed? It's very difficult to stand alone. But how do we find our way into this God peace and the gospel that we believe in as we enter into this world in which we find ourselves. With a great deal of wisdom, John F. Kennedy, many years ago, before we even got to this point, we didn't even know that we were headed in this direction, said this, technology has no conscience, no conscience. It will either be good for humanity or bad for humanity, depending on what we do with it. Very profound. Technology has no conscience. And so we're bombarded and exposed to this world that just kind of spirals and continues and moves without a conscience, without an axis of good. It just is. And so in the midst of this life that just is, where does that voice come from? Well, here's the problem. If we're so connected and so into the things that are before us, if my identity as a person is so wrapped up in that device and what's in it, then when in the course of my day am I going to find the time to unplug and create what we can call God space? God space. Because the only way I can interact and bring wisdom to the unwise, order to the chaos, and sensibility to that which is not sensible, is if it comes from within and has been cultivated. And so God's space is really the fruit of prayer. And what we need to be doing in our families, and whatever that family is in which we find ourselves is having greater dialogue and time to discuss how my faith interacts with this world in which I live. What do the Beatitudes and the Ten Commandments and the basics of Christianity and our faith have to say about what's happening in our world? Spending time with our families in prayer. When was the last time we did that? with those we love, 
When was the last time we celebrated our union in God as a family in our homes? Now, I know some of you do it regularly. This God space is what is the corrective to the non-God space. And perhaps some of you are sitting here saying, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't have the skills to do that. Well, Jesus kept it all very simple. And he says, there's nothing complicated about it. You go to your room, you close the door, and you talk to God in private. Ask God for the ability to have a relationship with him. He will show you how. He will guide you and direct you in a relationship with him. And Jesus kept it very simple. He said, use these words, our Father. Now our first graders are learning that very beautiful prayer, the Our Father. We all know it. And it opens up the door to a very beautiful relationship with our God. If all of us just took time during the course of the day, stopped and did that, our lives would change. If we stopped and did that as a family, our lives would change. You see, people are desperate for this anchor, for this truth, because all around them, they won't find it. And they're going to consistently be empty and unsettled and wonder why. Wonder why. So there's the good challenge for this week. Something very simple, but something that I guarantee will change our lives. Create some God space. Somehow, some way, within the realm of your world. Connect with God and make that God dimension a part of who you are, a part of your family, so that as the world beckons at our door, we will have the courage and the strength and the values to bring a conscience to that which does not have one. And then we won't find ourselves running as much adrift and may even stumble upon happiness in the process as well. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.